Advertising is the most ethical thing in the world from a humane chiropractic standpoint. If a man is dying of thirst, we turn heaven and earth, if necessary, to bring him water. But if a man is dying for need of chiropractic adjustments, as thousands are doing every week, and these dying are thirsting for the correction that only chiropractic can bring, they may refuse the drink because they do not recognize that to them it is the water of life. In other words, people may be dying for the need of chiropractic, yet they will refuse it unless they've been educated to its character and their need of it. Advertising is simply the education of the public. Advertising chiropractic, then, is bringing life to the dying. Chiropractors advertise because they believe that to sell chiropractic is not a privilege but a duty. Spinal health statistics verified by chiropractors everywhere show that 80% of the population suffers from weakness and dis-ease due to some easily corrected form of pressure on spinal nerves. Chiropractors advertise because spinal nerve health cannot look up unless they talk up. Chiropractors advertise because it is the best way to bring the greatest boon of life, which is health, to the greatest <clears throat> possible number of people in the shortest possible time. Chiropractors advertise because it is the best way to serve society to bring the chiropractor's peculiar ability and his particular science to the folks who need it. Chiropractors advertise because he wants to stand as a buffer between pain, suffering, and the 80% who buffer. Chiropractors advertise because subluxated spines are a public menace. Subluxated spines being the cause of chronic bad health, crippled mentalities, <coughs> and warped morals. Chiropractors advertise because he recognized the professional duty as a big personal duty, demanding extraordinary energy, investment, and effort, not alone from his office, but from every other office. That was B.J. Palmer, up from below the bottom. <clears throat> so today, I feel compelled to talk to you guys briefly about um, how my journey of chiropractic changed from where it was going to where it has ended up. Uh, and it's an emotional story, but I really like this class, so I'm going to share this with you. Um, so <clears throat> the first couple of years uh, after I graduated chiropractic school, uh, I was in the same boat as all you guys. I um, had, at that time, at $100,000 in debt, uh, which is equivalent to your $200,000. Uh, um, I came from nothing. You know, I lived in an apartment house uh, when I growing up. Bed my bedroom was a pull-out couch in the living room. So uh, I didn't have a lot. You know, my parents couldn't give me anything when I graduated. I wasn't given a practice, or some people make up all these stories about stuff. Um, so <laughs> it's amazing what people make up. Uh, so uh, I associated for the first six months after I graduated because I felt like I was too wet behind the ears. Uh, and it was, a, it was a good experience in that it taught me that I didn't want anybody else to tell me what to do. Uh, I'm kind of that person who doesn't really follow rules very well, um, and uh, so I, it, just, it just didn't fit. But the one thing he told me uh, that stuck with me, that I wish didn't stick with me, and I tell you this as a warning, right, this is like a warning message, the one thing that stuck with me is to pay back your student loans, you have to do whatever it takes to make a lot of money to pay them back quicker. That was his philosophy. Not a bad philosophy or wrong, um, just different. Right, different from my construct, right? I got involved in chiropractic because of asthma, right? And so I, I, that was my calling, is to help all these kids with asthma. But he was saying, you know, I, this philosophy is great, but you gotta pay the rent, right? You gotta pay back your student loans. So he's, he, in his office, not as a bad or wrong thing, but he, in his office, did a lot of uh, muscle stim and ultrasound and medcasonillator and Russian stim and, you know, all those things. So when I, got out of his office, I was six months, and I was like, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. 
Uh, so six, I graduated in June 89, practiced from July 89 to December 89. Um, I left and opened up my own practice in New Jersey uh, in um, March of 2001. But, and I followed his advice, which I shouldn't have. And I look back now and I realize that. So I followed his advice and even though I was very principled, I bought the TENS units and I bought the ultrasounds and I bought all these other hydrocolators and whatever, uh, because I thought, I thought it was the right thing to do. Because good morning. Because I, I wanted to pay back my student loans, right? So I said, I'll just do whatever I can and I'm gonna be very philosophical, but I'm gonna just do these other machines just so I could you know, pay back the student loans. Uh, and after three years of being in practice, and now fast forward to 93, I have a pretty good practice, but it wasn't where I was going. It wasn't going where I wanted it to go. It wasn't producing what I wanted it to produce, and I wasn't having a whole heck of a lot of fun. Making money, paying back my student loans was good, but it was, I was feeling very incongruent. But I didn't know it at the time. And I was doing ultrasound on one patient, then I did ultrasound or, or you know, tens almost every patient, unless you're a kid. Um, and it just, it, it actually produced so much extra pain in this particular person that particular day, as I was doing ultrasound, the person started like writhing in pain that I freaked out. And uh, luckily, I like, what does ultrasound produce? Heat. So being pretty smart, I said, well, heat produced this, ice will unproduce it. So I threw an ice pack on her and then she, I adjusted her and she walked out and everything was fine. And she actually stayed as a patient. I stayed in that practice till 2001. And she was one of the last patients I adjusted. Um, just as an interesting side note. But I was so upset at that particular juncture because it was not the first time that this had happened that I was using you know, some kind of machinery and produced a negative result. That I came home and I remember crying my eyes out and Lisa was going, she was getting her PhD at the time. And she was home on, at lunch and I was saying, Lisa, this is ridiculous. You know, I, I don't, I'm really fed up with this. This isn't chiropractic the way I wanted it to be. I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? I was ready to kind of give it up. And she would be like, well, what are you going to do instead? Right? You paid all this money, you spent all this time, what are you going to do instead? Like, don't you want to really do this? But I was so upset at that one, you know, thing, because I, I, it just, it, I was so incongruent with myself, right? And um, she said, you know, maybe we need to hear Dr. Sid one more time. Right, my beautiful, smart wife. Maybe we need to hear Dr. Sid one more time. Uh, so uh, we came down to DE in July of 1993. And it was at the Waverly Hotel, so some of you guys might have been at the Rubicon. So that room that we were there, that's the room that Dr. Sid used to do his big thing on Thursday. So it's like two or three minutes into <laughs> Dr. Sid's big talk. And I'm sitting like third, fourth row, and he says this story. He says, um, there was a garbage dump over here, and uh, this one guy had this great idea to flatten the garbage dump and build a mall on top of the garbage dump. So did, did they excavate every bit of garbage out of that? Did they dig every si tiny last bit of Coca-Cola bottles or whatever and pull it out? No, what they did is they flattened the you know, garbage dump, they put dirt on top of it and they built the mall of his dreams on top of the garbage dump. And he looked at me and he pointed at me and he said, you can build a castle of your dreams on top of your garbage. And 
Dr. Sid had, a, had a, I wish you all had a chance to meet him, because um, he had a very interesting power to him. Uh, and he could literally do something like that and change you. He, that was, he had this ability. So he did that to me, and it was like, I'll never forget like, hearing that. Uh, and I, I, I felt like, oh my God, he's talking to me. Like I could build, and all of a sudden I realized I am being so incongruent in my life, right? I'm trying to practice one way and do something completely different. And I don't even know what Dr. Sid said the rest of the time. I actually recorded it. I have the recording. I, I brought a, my little tape player. Remember audio tapes, right? I actually brought a little tape player, so I, I have listened to this over and over and over again. Um, but we went up to the hotel room after he was done, and I'm an emotional guy, so I cried again. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, Lisa, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm all for what Dr. Sid was saying but I need a sign. I'm the kind of guy <laughs> that needs a sign. So someone better show me something that's a sign to make me feel like what he said was what I should do. <laughs> so uh, this is at the Waverly, right over there. And then across the street, before Cumberland Mall was as huge as it is now, there was a small little um, place called uh, Super Salad. So uh, we went there and we were eating and uh, as I'm, Get, as, actually, before we're eating, I'm, I'm getting in line and we're getting the food, you know, picking out the stuff off the line. And I hear this voice. And it happens to be my old chiropractic school roommate. I used to live at Wood, on, uh, at Wood Hollow, which is now something else on Powers Ferry Road. And I had really, 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 with my other roommates, mistreated this one guy so much that we actually kicked him out of his own apartment at the end, like the last couple of months of, our, of being uh, at here at Life. Uh, he was an interesting character, but we, me and the two other, it was four of us, me and the three other roommates kind of kicked him out of his own apartment that he had rented. And he was standing there right next to me, but he didn't recognize me because I was turning and talking to Lisa. And I hear his voice because he had a very distinctive voice. And I turn around and I'm like, <gasps> and I look at my wife and I'm like, it's him, it's him, could you believe it? And she said, go talk to him. Because I had, for many, many years since I graduated, I've been saying to Lisa, I, I wish I had a chance to apologize to him. I was such a jerk. That was so unlike me. And now I had this chance to apologize to him that I've never thought I'd ever get. And Because he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a chiropractor. He actually went into some other field. Um, so I never thought I'd actually cross paths with him again. And there he is. Right? So uh, I put my food down, and Lisa's like, get over there and talk to him. <laughs> That's her personality. Um, and so I, um, I went over there and I said, hey buddy, do you remember me? And he looks at me going like, like, <laughs> wasn't a warm, open welcome, like you know, hands crossed and stuff. I was like, uh, well, I just want to let you know that I blew it, right? I blew it, it's my fault, I was the ringleader. I blew it and I apologize and I've been thinking about you for like three or four years now, hoping for this moment to let you know that I'm really sorry about what I did, and I absolutely apologize. And I, I, if you can't accept my apology, totally cool with it. But I'm, I just, I need to make amends, and this is what I'm doing. So <laughs> he looks at me, and he uncrossed his arms, and he sat there for a second, and I didn't know what was going to happen, if he was going to belt me one, or if he was going <laughs> to thank me, or whatever. And he just, he said, you know, Drew, I really appreciate you saying that, but it was really my fault, because I was going through like a really crazy time back then, so I deserved to be kicked out of that apartment because I was like in like left field. So I really appreciate you saying that because it makes me feel a lot better and thank you so much. We hug and that was it. 
That was it. And I walked back to the thing and I sat down and I looked at my wife and I said, that was my sign. And I don't know what was said the rest of the <coughs> meeting, <coughs> but I, I came home on Monday morning. <coughs> I had, before that time, for my 9 o'clock patient, I was there at 8.59. This was the beginning, right? For my 9 o'clock patient, I was there at 7 in the morning. I meditated, I breathed, I did all the things that I still do today, right? So that's since all, all since 1993. But I made a decision, and then... God showed me the decision was the correct one because the first patient to show up at 8.30, normally she happened to show up at 8.30, was this young lady who was studying to become a physical therapist. So I said to her, she walks in and I said, hey, do you want some physical therapy equipment? And she's like, what? Now, mind you, I did not talk to you about this with Lisa. One bit. Right? Like, we had talked about, I'm not going to do this anymore, but I didn't talk about how I'm going to execute not doing this anymore. You want some physical therapy equipment? She's like, huh? I said, you're going to become a physical therapist. Would you like some physical therapy equipment? She's like, sure. <laughs> so I said, great. So we took out and put, she had a little, like, you know, Honda uh, Civic. I, we took the TENS unit, and we took the ultrasound, and we dumped the hydrocolator, and we... You know, put the hydro and all oh, the freeze pack, everything. I threw everything into her trunk and closed the trunk, you know, lid. And she left after getting adjusted. And now she had a couple of thousand dollars worth of free equipment. And here's the deal I was leasing all that. <laughs> but that did not even enter my mind because the decision was I was happy to pay for it to be out of my office. I was happy to pay for it to be out of my office. And from that point on, the next, like, so that was on a Monday. On a Thursday, I lived in Ber near Burgerfield in New Jersey. Um, there was the Burgerfield sidewalk sale. I signed up 60 new patients, and the practice took on a whole different meaning. And that's when, like, the, the pediatric stuff really started taking hold after that, right? All because I made a decision to not be incongruent anymore. Right? So this is not a talk to say don't do tens or ultra, you know, whatever you want to do is fine. I don't care. Right? I have no judgment on how someone wants to practice or not practice. Right? That's what this is about. It's, it's about being congruent. Right? Like, like walking your talk. Right? right? There's a lot of people out there who don't walk their talk. Right? We had a new patient yesterday and she described to me an adjustment that she had where the, the chiropractor did not explained anything about chiropractic, anything about her spine, and then wailed on her with a very rough cervical adjustment. And she was so upset that she started crying, and the chiropractor did nothing to intervene or say anything. And so and she said, I just wanted someone to explain. Like, whatever he did, it wouldn't have mattered if he just explained it to me, right? Just care enough to explain. Care enough to be congruent. Care enough to understand that what we have is very special and what we have is very beautiful. But if we don't, that's advertising, right? How you do what you do, who you are, how you portray yourself to your patients and to the people in your community and the, your next door neighbors, that is who you are, right? 
And if you are incongruent and you are trying to do something that you are not, it will show through. So the people that I know who are the most successful are the most congruent, right? They practice what they preach. They walk their talk, right? So it's not about should you or should you not do, because some people misconstrue what I'm saying. This is not about I should or I shouldn't do any sort of machinery, whatever, cold laser. I don't care. That's not what this is about. This is about who are you and are you doing what you believe in? Right? When you talk to patients, are you talking to them from a core of belief? Because if you want to be super successful, the way to super success is to walk your talk. So when patients look at you in the eye, they know you're telling the truth. They know that you, you are living what you say you're living. Right? Like if you, here's a really big example. I always talk to, when was the last time you got adjusted? I say this to chiropractors all the time. And at students, you probably get adjusted way more than you need. Right? But that's just part of being a student. But let me tell you something. Once you graduate from chiropractic island, you don't get adjusted as much. Right? Because you don't have your friends next to you like this, unless you have a you know, partner or friend or you know, spouse or someone that's a chiropractor. It's much harder to get adjusted. Right? So you've got to get adjusted at least once a week. At least once a week for the rest of your life. No excuses. Because you can't sell what you don't own. And that was my problem right, back in the early 90s, is I was trying to sell something that I didn't own, right? I was talking philosophy, 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 but I'm rubbing someone ultrasound, right? Not that that's wrong or bad, it just wasn't congruent with me, right? So that's what I want to illustrate to you guys, is the importance of congruence. And that's what Dr. Sid taught me, is that I needed, like, to, to build a castle of your dreams on top of the garbage, I... I had to see, to find out, okay, I do have garbage, it's okay to have that garbage, and now I'm gonna do what I want on top of the garbage, right? Not what someone else wants, not what someone told me, to, told me what to do, not what some guru or practice management person may, may have said in some kind of lecture. I'm gonna do what I feel congruent about, right? What makes me feel good, right? <clears throat> like, we had another new patient yesterday, and she said, I have been to chiropractors all my life. I have never seen an office like this before. I have never had an exam like this before, right? And I said, exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I want. I want to produce something so different. And each and every one of you has the ability to produce something so different, right? Because you want to be pouring love into these people so that when they are leaving the office for the first time, they're calling their friends, right? Not after they get results, but when they leave the office, like, holy cow, what a different experience I had, right? That's what I want. That's living congruently, right? Whatever that means to you, right? Now, for me, it's pediatrics. Like, that's my thing, right? It's what jazzes me up. It doesn't have to be that for you. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is, right? But live congruently and understand that each and every one of us have plenty of garbage, right? We got plenty of garbage that we can build on top of, but don't think you need to spend the next bunch of years excavating that garbage, living incongruently, right? Start now living the castle, you're building the castle of your dreams. Now, not when you graduate, right? When you graduate, it might be a little late, right? For me, three years after graduation, it was really late, right? I wish I knew now what I knew, that, right? That kind of thing, right? Start now to build the castle of your dreams on top of your garbage.